business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now I make money move. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Mansell. I am your host, back for another episode of Your Four with co-host Brandon in the house. Hey, man. What's happening, my man? Oh, not a lot. Your first appearance on the yeah. pod for 2023. Refreshed. How you feel about that? I'm ready to go. It's a good Let's fucking go. number for a year, isn't it? Yeah. 23. It really it aligns good. with like everything we do in 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 this company. Yeah. MJ, no, it's, it's TMJ, 2-3. Fuck. This is the year. <laughs> man, we've got uh we've got four fresh questions to kick off the first episode of Your Four for 2023. Before we get into it, Brandon, it is crunch time for season nine of the MJ Fitness Challenge. I can't believe this is the ninth. We, man, almost 10 seasons. This is the ninth season coming up. Yeah, crazy. There's, uh, guys, there's less than two weeks left to register for season nine of the MJ Fitness Challenge. You guys have heard me tell you about it before, so I'm not going to spend too much time going through it. But real quick, it's our 10-week physical and psychological transformation program open to both men and women of all ages from all over the world. A lot of people think it's only for Australians, but we have people in the challenge from all over the world. US, UK, New Zealand, Canada, Asia. Where else? Where are you seeing challenges from? Tasmania. <laughs> that is part of Australia. But anyway, you get the point. Uh, you get a diet plan, customized meal plan, workout program, cardio program, supplement plan, motivational guide. Your meal plan and your workout program also get updated at the halfway point. So you actually get two of those over the 10 weeks. You get access to the MJ Fitness Challenge Facebook community, which has a whole bunch of us from MJs in there. And it's I, I, I hesitate in saying it's 24 hours, but it, like there's someone always in there <laughs> answering questions and getting back. And then the rest of the challenges are all in there as well. So it's an awesome community to help you reach your health and fitness goals. You also get over a hundred bucks in merchandise just for signing up. So MJ Fitness Challenge T, which are exclusive every year. They're different. They're unique. So there'll be another new, new, new unique one. Say that one real quiet. Real, <laughs> I can't even speak. Say that one real fast. You, new, new, unique. No, man. My, nah. <laughs> you get uh, training journal, fill and go funnel, calipers and samples. There's also over 10,000 bucks worth of prizes up for grabs, Brandon. So we have four challenge champions, male lose fat, male build muscle, female lose fat, female build muscle, and they get to share. I think their prize packages are worth like three grand each. So it's like over 10 grand worth of prizes up for grabs. And this is the best part, man. It's less than 200 bucks. $199.95 for the 10 weeks. That's less than 20 bucks per week. It's about three bucks per day. It's less than a coffee a day. Unbelievable. Ridiculous. But registration closes Sunday, February 12th. There's less than two weeks left. Guys, please make sure. The one thing, look, one thing that I ask is that you go and check it out. mjfitnesschallenge.com.au. Go have a look at the past transformations. The testimonials are on there. There's a video with some of our past challenge champions. They talk you all through it. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're at least thinking about it, go and check out the website. And if it's something that you're interested in doing, just take the plunge. Man, go back and listen to the, the podcast you did. You, absolutely. I did with the season eight with um, Frank and Cara. Probably like couple episodes four, ago. Four podcasts ago yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah, we did like a full hour episode That's where I good. spoke to two of our challenge champions. Go check that out. Uh, but I, I, you know, you guys know that we don't 
you know, we don't plug a lot of um, uh, products or services on this show, but when something like this comes around that I think you guys are going to get so much value from, uh, we have to tell you about it. So mjfitnesschallenge.com.au, go check it out. Brandon, first question. We're on. Question one. I have a coach who has been great and got me to my goal of doing my first competition. However, my goals have now changed and upon reflection of my journey, I now feel like they have taken me as far as they can and I have a new coach in mind. Coach in mind, how do you do the breakup and not burn any bridges? This happens like a lot. This is really frequent. And I think, you know, as, um, and not just in physique-based sports, obviously this, this I mean, this seems like a physique-based uh, sport question because the goal of doing the first comp and did the first comp, I'm going to assume it's like a bodybuilding or bikini or, you know, a physique-based comp. But this happens all the time in all sports, right? Like people will work with a particular coach that gets them to a certain level and then they get to that level and it's like, okay, you know, I'm trying to get to the next level and I'm not so sure that this coach can help me get there. So I need to make some changes and, and, and level up, you know, who I'm taking guidance from. So this happens a lot. Uh, a couple of things. The first thing is one of my favorite sayings from uh, Brene Brown, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So I think the best way to go about it is a combination of candor and kindness, right? So don't kind of beat around the bush tell the coach what's going on and just say, look, you know, thank you so much for helping me get to this level. I feel like now I'm at a certain level where I need to look for some different guidance. I appreciate you for what you've done, but it's time for me to move on. Uh, and it's a combination of, you know, candor in the fact like this is where I'm at, this is why I'm doing this. And, you know, you have to obviously be honest, but then it's also being appreciative for everything that they've done for you as well. You don't have to be a dick about it and say, listen, your skill set is not going to get me any further. That would be being a dick. Don't be a dick about it. Kind candor. Uh, and then I think once you've kind of done that, you just need to accept their response. You know, they're either going to be happy for you and, uh, and you know, that you've gotten to a certain level and that you're looking to move on and, and you know, experience that for you or they're going to be pissed that, you, <laughs> that you're moving on. That's not your responsibility. You just have to accept it for, for what it is. I think in the situation where, you know, they, they stomp their feet and they get pissed off and whatever, which most of the time is not going to happen. But if it does happen, you got to remember that ultimately you don't owe them anything. Like this was a commercial relationship. You were actually the customer you're paying the coach for the services and that's the end of the road. Straightforward. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, you just need to be honest and respectful. Express your appreciation of the relationship that you've built, the goals that they've helped you accomplish and everything that they've taught you. Then just be honest and tell them your goals have changed and you feel it'd be best to work with someone else at the time, a different coach moving forward. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, you know, ultimately, like it's that situation where like you have to put yourself first, right? And it kind of sounds selfish, but if you don't, you're going to end up resenting the coach because you're going to feel like the coach is holding you back. And then you're going to end up in flames of glory and you're worried about burning bridges. That's probably the best way to burn bridges is to continue, continue doing something that you know you're going to eventually resent. So kind candor, be open, be honest, be upfront but be kind and appreciative at the same time and move on. 100%. I'd also express that you'd love to keep in touch with them and you, yeah, you value the relationship that you've, sure. you've built with them yeah. um, just to maintain the positive relationship and prevent burning any bridges as well. 
help prevent them. Yep. Go Next on. question. What fills your cup up? That's it. That's it. Short, sharp to the point. Loaded question though. There's a couple of things here. The first one is, I mean, there's, there's two ways you can kind of look at this, right? Like what fills your cup up? Like what fulfills you? You know, what brings you satisfaction? What brings you joy? Why do you, ultimately, why do you do what you do? And for me, I anchor back into two things. I anchor back into my quote unquote why, and then I anchor back into my just cause. And this is something that uh, through my reading, I can't remember what book it was. I think it was, no, it was a Simon Sinek book. I think it, it might've been Leaders Eat Last, one of Simon's books anyway, but he made the distinction between your why and your just cause. And up until that point, I had only ever considered like my why, like why do I do what I do? And I always had a lot of clarity on that. I didn't understand the difference between my why and my just cause. And I didn't really have a lot of clarity around my just cause. So the easiest way to kind of distinguish the, the two, if you start with your, um, your why, your why is internal, your just cause is external. So let me give you an example. These, this is my actual why and my actual just cause. So my why is to make the most of the opportunities that my parents and my grandparents fought for and sacrificed to give me and to provide even greater opportunities for my family. That's why I, that, that's my why. That's why I do what I do. Ultimately, that's what has to align to give me fulfillment, to make me feel fulfilled. My just cause, on the other hand, is to help and inspire all people to improve their lives through health and fitness by providing products, information, and experiences. And you would know that that's very similar to the MJ company mission, right? But that's, you can see the difference, right? The first, the why is internal, right? It's got to do with where I've come from. It's got to do with my parents. It's got to do with my grandparents. It's got to do with my family. My just cause is external. Who, who am I servicing? All people, I'm trying to help and inspire all people to improve their lives through health and fitness. So there's a slight nuance there, but those are the two things that I anchor back into. If I can align with my why, that's going to bring me fulfillment. If I can align with my just cause, that's also going to bring me fulfillment. So that's what fulfills me. The other way that I kind of interpret this question is it's one thing to have your why and your just cause and to do things that are in alignment with those two things. But you're, it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? You're going to have periods where you feel highly motivated and you're on fire and you just fucking feel good. And then you're going to have periods where shit's really hard and you go through challenges and you confront obstacles and you need something that helps you keep going. You need something that recharges you you need something that helps give you stamina. And in that regard, I do a few things. Meditation is huge for me, right? Beach walks. I know it sounds corny as fuck, but the beach for me, the ocean is a huge recharger for me. So beach walks with my wife, Amy, and our little dog, Ella. Amazing for me, for my stamina to recharge me. Reading is a big thing for me as well. Allows me to kind of zone out and zone into what I'm reading. And that recharges me. That gives me stamina. And then social interaction 
with friends, with family, going out for, for a dinner or a breakfast or a lunch with friends, with family and having those conversations, that social interaction for me is a huge source of energy and a huge source of recharging. So that's what allows me to, let's say, refills my cup when my cup's feeling empty because I just feel like I'm beaten down or I'm just feeling exhausted or I'm just feeling tired or I'm just going through a really rough patch. That's what fills my cup up. Yeah. Like, like you said, you can look at it at two, in two ways. I did look at it as in what, re, what does recharge you. But yeah, as in what fills your cup up and what doesn't satisfy you. But yeah, like you said, man, like you hear people time and time again say, find your why, find your purpose. I worked with a coach. He's actually been on, didn't work with him directly. I was in a course that he did, but he's been on this podcast. Was shout, it Corey? Out, shout out, Corey. Yeah. Shout, out, shout out, Corey. So yeah. he had us do this uh, why exercise to find your purpose. And Mine was, I should need to revisit it because it definitely has changed, but it was something like live as your authentic self, build connections and continue to challenge yourself and challenge those around you. Um, it's changed a bit since then, but it still is something that I really do focus on and you need to keep it in mind as much as you can. So if you write it down, if you have a journal or anything like that, have it on the front of your journal. So you do just really revisit it as much as you can and live by that. But you got to go deeper than that, man. Straight yeah, up. I know. No, I know. I, I know. I know. You. Yeah. Because I've done a lot of work in this space, right? And for me to get to that point where I say my why is to make the most of the opportunities my parents and my grandparents sacrificed to give me and to provide even greater opportunities for my family, it's taken me fucking years to get to that one sentence of this is why I do what I do. And what you said was your why, you got to go deeper. Why? It was a bit more specific like that but yeah. than that, but it definitely it definitely needs to be refined. And um, it took me, I was sitting there with a note, like a, with a pen and paper, and it took me a good four hours, but drilling it, it I know it takes it's, longer. But it's a, it's a journey as well. Constantly changes like I, well. I, So I have one of the, a part of my morning routine, right? So I have a 10-step morning routine. I've done an episode of this podcast on it. One part of my morning routine is to review every morning I do it. I review my life philosophy, right? And the two things in my life philosophy, the first two things, my why am I just cause? But then I have all the other shit that sits underneath that, that, that I distill down into the why and the just cause. But it's things such as I want to give the people around me the opportunity to improve their lives. I want to give them responsibility and I want to hold them accountable. But then I ask myself, well, why is, why is that important to me, right? So my advice when you're trying to find your purpose or your why, if you can keep asking yourself why and answer the question why, you keep going deeper until you go, like if I go to make the most of the opportunities that my parents and my grandparents sacrificed to give me and to provide even greater opportunities for my family, I can't ask why again. Yeah. That is, that's ultra. There's nothing deeper than that. Yeah. That's it. So when you get to that point, that is your why. But if you're not there yet, you got to keep digging, keep digging. And it's not something you can sit down with and go, all right, I'm going to spend three hours doing this. And by the end of it, no, no, no. It's going to take years of personal development and digging deep into your psyche and deep into your past and deep into your greatest dreams for your future to get to the point where it's like, no, 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 this is why I do what I do. Yeah. Cause I think in the end he had us answered that why question 11 times. Yeah. And I got halfway through and I got really emotional and I sort of hit like a, a roadblock. Yeah. Um, and then I pushed through and I did find like, I did 
get towards that end. But I've evolved since then. My values have changed, but getting really clear on that why and purpose, it's going to just help you in that on that path to fulfillment for sure. In regards to what fills my cup up, like I have a pretty good balance of introverted and extroverted. So it really depends for me if I've had like a a long day at work or say I've had a shift in a retail store where a big chunk of my time I've been by myself or I've had a big week of training because I train by myself unless it's footy training or something like that. Then yeah, hanging out with friends, hanging out with loved ones, with my partner Sarah and things like that, that recharges me. If I've been around people or I'm socializing for too long, then my uh, introverted side does come out. Um, So I need that time by myself to recharge. Like you said, meditation, um, even just getting myself organized, working on my uh, personal development, Mm. spending time with my dog, just things like that, man. That's I need that time um, if I've been around people for too long, for sure. Yeah. And I think like a really important piece of uh, practical and strategic advice, because that's what we do on the show, uh, is once you've identified those things that recharge you, and we've all got them, right? And that doesn't take you long to think about. Like what brings you joy? What brings you happiness? What makes you feel like, oh, man, I, okay, cool. I'm good. Now I can keep going. Build those things into your weekly routine. Like straight up. All those things are listed. Meditation, walking along the beach with Amy and Ella, reading, socializing with friends. I do that shit every week because I know that it's important. I know that it recharges me. I know that it fills my cup up. I know that it gives me the stamina to keep going. So I make sure that I block out time to do it. Schedule them in. 100%. For using Google Calendar or anything like that, make sure they're in there. Yeah, 100%. And listen, like those, you know, it doesn't always go to plan, obviously. Those weeks where like, you know, for whatever reason, I miss the meditation every day and I miss not being able to go on the beach walks with Amy and Ella and perhaps, you know, I'm too tired at night to get my reading in. So I just go to sleep instead of doing my reading. Like I feel like my cup is not full, right? So, you know, try and build it into your, into your at least weekly routine, if not daily routine. 100%. Next question. Question three. My son and I have started training together at the gym. He is 15, however, has some natural size on him. He tells me he would like to start bodybuilding. As much as as I would love to support him with all his dreams, how young is too young? At the moment, I'm focusing on technique before pushing him. Would love yours and Joe's thoughts. I got personal experience with this because I actually was introduced to weight training uh, for mainly for strength and conditioning for basketball, really, to kind of build my body to be a better basketballer because I grew up playing basketball in my teens, my childhood and my teens. So I got introduced into um, strength training by my dad, as a matter of fact, when I was, I reckon I was like 14, 14, 15, so around about the same age. And that was my introduction to lifting weights. And then, you know, obviously when you get introduced to that, you start going, oh, well, what do the top weightlifters look like? And then you discover strongman and powerlifting and bodybuilding and all of these different applications of, you know, competitive weightlifting. Uh, I, when, when I was introduced to strength and conditioning training, it was really just for building my body up. It wasn't bodybuilding. It wasn't, you know, um, and it didn't develop into bodybuilding until my late teens as well, until I was like 18. um, And I kind of, you know, finished playing basketball that I really started training for bodybuilding and then preparing for a bodybuilding competition and so on and so forth. So I got personal experience with this. I think there's a couple of pieces of advice that I would offer. And both of them are around 
not necessarily the physiology because I think, you know, that kind of, I'm going to say it goes without saying, but I think just a little bit of common sense here when it comes to physiology is, is going to go a lot further than anything else. And that is mainly body weight stuff, mainly compound stuff, make sure that you're getting your technique right. As the person who asked the question has, has listed, um, I'm focusing on technique before pushing him, make sure you get the basics and fundamentals right because you got your whole life to be a bodybuilder. So I think the, the physiology and the physical side kind of goes without saying. My words of warning or words of wisdom are to do with the psychological side of bodybuilding. On one side, it's got to do with the psychology around attaching your competitive performance to how you look rather than how you perform. And then the other side of the psychology is around diet and around food. And I just think at that young impressionable age, diving into a physique-based, aesthetic-based sport, uh, I just don't think that you have the psychological tools. I don't think you have enough psychological development to be able to hold that the way it needs to be held and not kind of spiral into a lot of um, psychological issues, you know, whether it's got to do with confidence, whether it's got to do with self-image, whether it's got to do with, um, you know, attaching your identity to the way that you look rather than the person that you are. Um, I just don't think you have the skills at that young an age to deal with that. And then the other aspect is obviously the food side of things, right? Which, uh, I mean, you know, you see this happen to people of all ages, but definitely when you're young and impressionable, starting to restrict the foods that you can eat, starting to... Um, become very aware of the calorie contents of certain foods. And that naturally leads to people kind of grouping foods as good foods and bad foods, which obviously you don't have to do, but that's kind of where it goes very, very quickly. I just don't think you have the psychological tools at that young an age to be able to step back from that and use that for what it's worth as well. So those would be my two words of warning. Obviously, everyone's individual. This is your son you're your son's father. So, you know, I don't want to give you advice on how to raise your child, but those are the couple of things that if it was my son and I was in this situation that I would be super aware of. Yeah, for sure. The psychological part that you mentioned, it's, yeah, it's extremely important. It's not, not something that I actually thought about when I read this question, but it's, it's huge. Um, it's awesome that you and your son are training together, man. He's, he's shown an interest in a sport like bodybuilding. And I think the myth has been debunked of um, lifting weights stunts your growth as much, <laughs> as much as I'd like. I'd like to think that's why I'm not 6'5". Um, yeah, so I think you're, you're pretty safe there. Um, but yeah, like Joe said, he started at 13 with his dad and they're both not short. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, man, um, focusing on form is absolutely key, especially at that age to set the foundation. Um, like Joe said, don't go heavy, use body weights. Um, not nothing excessive, nothing too heavy, just to minimize the risk of injury and really focus on setting the right principles because we will setting the right principles with adequate nutrition, sleep, all the necessary things to optimize growth and recovery, yeah. especially at that age, but like at, at all ages, but just getting those foundations and setting those straight away. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, it's just going to hold you in good stead. And I think, you know, like also have the, have those sorts of, I mean, get your son to listen to this podcast first and foremost. So he hears it from someone other than his dad. Um, but have those conversations with your son as well around like, you know what, bodybuilding is a marathon. It's not a sprint, 
right? And the best bodybuilders, like if you are passionate about bodybuilding and you really want to explore this, understand that the best bodybuilders in the world are in their late 30s and early 40s, right? So if you if this is something you want to pursue and I want to support you in pursuing that and this is something that you're passionate about and you want to explore, fantastic. But this is this is a journey as a, I mean, as a 15-year-old, this is going to be a 20, 30, 40-year journey. So you don't need to come out the gates at 15 years old and try and look like the current Mr. Olympia, you know, or, or you know, whatever you're, whoever you aspire to kind of look like. Foundations first, set yourself up, and you've got so much time. That's, that's that's extremely important as well, especially like your son being 15. He's growing up in the the social media and the digital era. There's going to be people just looking jacked on social media and things like that. Yeah. Those people have been training 10 plus years and that's at why, least. That's why I mentioned the psychology side, right? Because it's at that young an age as well, you know, and I don't want to make assumptions about your son's maturity, but just generally speaking, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, the impressionability and the constant never-ending stream of unrealistic expectations that are kind of pumped into young kids these days and, and, and young adults through social media primarily is just relentless. Uh, you know, so you, you have to kind of, kind of buffer that as best you can. For sure. Last question. How to not take on other people's emotions or issues? This is a great question. It this is. is something everybody deals with, whether it's relationships, whether it's the workplace, whether it's, I mean, shit, man, it comes in all shapes and forms. I think this is really a boundaries question. Um, or I think the answer to the question really comes down to, to boundaries. Um, where are your boundaries, right? What are you comfortable with? What are you uncomfortable with? I think really the first step is kind of figuring out where your boundaries lie and that is really figuring out what makes you uncomfortable, right? So when it comes to taking on other people's emotions or other people's issues, you might get to a certain point where you're like, yeah, no, that's cool. You know, I'm happy to kind of talk to you about this and help you through this and so on and so forth. But there's going to be a line there. There's got to be a boundary where like, you know what, if you're going through some tough stuff with your partner, I'm not the person that you call at three o'clock in the morning in tears, right? So like, where does that boundary kind of lie, I think is, is, is the first thing that you need to um, figure out. And it's going to be a lot easier to set a hard boundary earlier on than try and implement a boundary that kind of pulls back from what you've accepted, right? It's the, it's the old um, MLK, I think is the MLK quote. No, it's not MLK. Malcolm X. I think it was Malcolm X. What you do not hate, you will eventually tolerate. Right. So the more you kind of let your boundaries slide, or even if you don't set boundaries right at the start, the harder it is to kind of pull things back. So try and set those by having awareness around what you're comfortable with and what you're uncomfortable with as early as possible with whoever it is that you're um, trying not to take on emotions and issues. I think another thing to kind of consider is the difference between empathy and sympathy. And this ties into boundaries. You can empathize with somebody's emotions and empathize with issues that somebody is going through, meaning that, Brandon, you know, I, I understand that you're feeling, let's pick an emotion, frustration at the moment. I understand that. I know what that feels like. It must be really bad. That's empathy. 
Sympathy is, I feel really bad that you're frustrated. What can I do to help you through it? Right? So there's a, there's a slight nuance there. And that's, that's where the boundary lies, right? You can be empathetic and you can be, be comfortable with being empathetic and be there for your friends and your family and whoever it is, right? To, to, to be a sounding board for their emotions, to be a sounding board for their issues. But your boundary might be at, you know what, when it starts turning into sympathy, when it starts turning in me trying to fix your emotions, me trying to fix your issues, that's where I draw the line. And I think that's a real, it's a, it's a small nuance, but it's a really important distinction to make because that's where a lot of people kind of go into, let me help you work through your emotions. Let me help you work through your issues. And that's where you get to the point where you start taking on other people's emotions and other people's issues. It's not your responsibility. And I've been through this in a lot of different areas in my life with a lot of different people. I've been through this multiple times in my personal life with part with past partners. I've been through this with different employees. I've been through this with different partners in different businesses. Every area of my life, I've, I've been through this. I've experienced this firsthand and I've made the wrong decisions because I kind of, I put like the weight of the world on my shoulders and I try and go into fix-it mold. It's not my responsibility. It's not your responsibility to fix other people's emotions. It's not your responsibility to fix other people's issues. You can empathize, you can support, but they have to be the ones that do the work. No, that is really, really is awesome advice. Like you said, a lot of people do deal with this, especially if you're an empath, but I haven't actually thought of that before, like the difference between being empathetic and sympathetic. So that's really good. Um, what I find that helps a lot um, it's beginning to focus on yourself and gaining a better understanding of your emotions. Um, so if you have difficulty accessing or understanding them, it could be why you're more concerned with others' emotions. My advice would be to become more aware of your emotions and increase your ability to tolerate them. So although it's easier said than done, you need to become in, in control of your emotions before you can support others. It's important to like prioritize yourself, become more familiar with your emotions, even if you have a tendency to focus on others. Just make sure you you focus on your own well-being first. That's why practices and techniques like mindful meditation and things like that are so so important, so vital, man. Like just to be able to separate your emotions or or their emotions from and your thoughts. It can be done, like we said, man. It can be done in small small increments as well. It doesn't need to be like okay, I'm going to go meditate for 20 minutes couple minutes a day mindfulness practice it will help you be able to like separate the two mm. yeah 100 percent. i did it yesterday yesterday i had a morning where i had like a phone call and then a meeting and the meeting ran over and i went straight into another phone call and then i had another meeting and then i had to jump on a zoom call and i was just like it was just it just drained me and i was you know not necessarily taking on other people's emotions or issues but there was a lot like i was giving out a lot of energy across to all these other people and then I had to go into another 90 minute meeting and so I just came in, into here in the boardroom there's no one in the boardroom I turned the light off and I sat for like five minutes and just I just breathed I just box breathed for five minutes I was just like just give me just five minutes just to like anchor back in recenter and then boom I was good to go but I think this is, you know, this is why you mentioned why like mindfulness and meditation and, and those sorts of things are so important. I think it's one of the reasons why personal development is so important. You know, like all the different tools, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, whether it's having clarity on your why and your just cause, like we went through in, in one of the earlier questions today. You know, all of these sorts of things, 
people so often get themselves into situations where they're giving so much of themselves to other people, whether that's through taking on other people's emotions, whether that's through taking on other people's issues. It's just give, 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 give. And they're not actually doing any work on themselves. And then they find themselves collapsed in a fucking heap. And they don't know why. Well, because you haven't done any fucking work. You don't know where your boundaries are. And you're trying, you, you, you know, for a lot of people as well that actually rather than doing the work, it's easier to just kind of push it to the side because they're going to uncover some shit that perhaps they don't want to address, they don't want to confront. So, oh, let me deal with your problems instead because at least then there's the degree of separation, right? So, yeah, I think that's just why, you know, things like this podcast as, as part of personal development are so important. For sure, man. Good stuff. That's a wrap. That's it. Four questions. First episode of your four, yeah, done. The, first cab off the rank. Fantastic. Guys, the one thing we ask in return, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, is that you guys share the show, share it person to person. Uh, one of the ways that we love seeing it shared is if you take a screenshot right now on your favorite podcasting platform, whatever you're listening to this on, you post it in your Instagram story, tag myself, Joseph Mansell, tag Brandon, Brandon Verdi. Uh, we love seeing those tags and we repost as many of them as we possibly can. Brandon, if the listeners have a question... Best place to send them? Instagram DM, my Instagram DM. So I slide in um, at Brandon Verdi, like Joe said. Uh, yeah, just DM me. I love getting DMs. 100%. And we're um, we're looking for some, I mean, we've, we've got a backlog of questions, but we're always looking for fresh new questions. Yeah, we like changing it up a bit. Yeah, we do. We kind of pick a few that kind of touch on different bits and pieces. So feel free to send your questions in, guys. They're always anonymous. We don't say who asked the question. So if it's something sensitive and you don't want to be exposed as asking the question publicly, you don't need to stress. We, uh, we, we keep them all anonymous. Guys, thank you for tuning into this episode. Brandon, thank you uh, for co-hosting the first episode of Your Four for 2023. Thank you. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, catch you on the flip side. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show. And finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, make sure you do that before the next episode.